You're listening to episode 41 of the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Lazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I'll share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we will try to really make you expert or really uh, geeks in terms of post-marketing surveillance uh, for medical devices. So we'll see that it's not only European Union, but maybe also other regions. Uh, and for that... I invited, apparently we call her like that, so the post-marketing surveillance or PMS queen, uh, which is uh, Natasha Bankowski. So Natasha is the head of global regulatory affairs and pharmacovigilance at Cora Healthcare. Uh, so she will be our guest today and she will really tell us everything regarding, I mean everything, what uh, high-level information regarding the post-marketing surveillance and we'll talk also about her intervention at the Topra Symposium that will happen uh, in October uh, this year. So, Natasha, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Hello, Manir. Good afternoon. And thank you for inviting me to the um, Medical Device podcast. I've listened to your previous ones and they're brilliant, so very useful. Um, my name is Natasha Bankowski. Um, I'm head of regulatory affairs and pharmacovigilance uh, for Cora Healthcare. Um, it's a small Irish company based in Dublin. Uh, we manufacture medicines, uh, medical devices and food supplements. Uh, so I look after all of the products we have, so medicines, devices and food supplements, which is a huge challenge. And the MDR has only made my life more difficult along with Brexit. Um, so I hope to be able to answer um, lots of questions that people may have in relation to post-market surveillance or even uh, for people that don't have a lot of information on post-market surveillance or not sure what it is just to try and guide them uh, simply to what really post-market surveillance means. No, it's great. So thank you for that. And uh, let's start first with the first question, which is the easiest one, I think, maybe the most difficult one, because maybe you can speak hours about it. So it's uh, for the audience, what exactly is post-marketing surveillance? What what should we um, yeah, understand when we are talking about post-marketing surveillance? Okay, so this is not easy to explain, but um, I'm going to try and put it Simply. So when the device hits the market, post-market surveillance is anything that's carried out from as soon as you hit the market, whether that be your vigilance, which is your complaints, your field safety corrective actions, whether it be literature review, whether it be checking databases like um, MOD, which is the FDA database, uh, to look at uh, competitor products, um, in-house testing, uh, feedback from distributors, uh, customers, um, feedback from um, feedback in relation to the device uh, from any aspect carried out, whether it be customer surveys, um, online databases. So all of this is post-marked surveillance. Um, I suppose one of the 
big challenges uh, about postmark surveillance is the postmark clinical follow-up study, which is also um, part of postmark surveillance. So this is also a proactive uh, process that uh, you need to carry out or justify why you're not carrying it out. So just just related to that, uh, so as you mentioned, there is, I mean, all the list that you provided here is really huge. Uh, do you think that we need a big team to do that or it's uh, possible to do that with only one person? The problem is that no matter if you work in the small, the medium, the multinational companies, uh, which I have worked in each of these and have obviously had the requirements of postmark surveillance, um, it's very difficult and no it's not possible for one team uh, it's really really important for all personnel to be trained across multifunctional teams in postmark surveillance and it's very important that everybody understands and feeds into it because this feeds into the risk management system it feeds into the quality management system it feeds into the clinical evaluation reporting system any studies that R&D needs to carry out to ensure the safety, the quality device. Um, also, um, from a personal experience, um, getting feedback from the market is, is quite difficult sometimes. So we really rely on our sales representatives, or our medical liaisons that are out there with our patients, with our doctors, with our healthcare practitioners. And they're the ones, they're the frontline people getting the information. So the system to try and get that information back into the company and to have a system to process that, analyze that, that is really, really difficult. Then when the bigger the company is, the more people that are involved and the more different departments that you have. So it's just, it gets more and more complex. But the important thing is, is no matter how big or small your company is, we all have to meet the same legislation, which is, very difficult because if you're a small company, you still have to have all of the processes, all of the procedures, all of the systems there available to be able to meet the regulations. And as everyone knows, the changes that are coming down the line are so huge that we all, no matter big or small, are going to need a lot more resources and it's going to cost a lot more money to deal with these changes. So it's great, uh, great point. So uh, now let's clarify also one point. So post-marketing surveillance is already something that exists now. It's not something that is coming with a new regulation like the medical device regulation. It's something that is already existing with the current MDD. And it will be, if I can say changed, I don't know if it's on the right or the bad way, but there will be some changes to this with the new medical device regulation. Is it correct? Yeah, so... um it's quite complex to answer that question, I suppose. Um, they, so from, again, this is from personal experience also. Um, the postmark surveillance is a, currently a requirement and a lot of the aspects that are appearing as new right now are not new. They're already in existence. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is a lot of postmark surveillance hasn't been enforced or is only kind of in the maybe the last three or four years starting to be enforced. Um, I have worked with several notified bodies over the years and their assessment of postmark surveillance is extremely different. Uh, some notified bodies have 
required very little, haven't even looked for a postmark surveillance procedure, um, and then some are more stringent. Um, so the amount of changes you need to make currently to your system will depend on really what you have been doing to date and how much proactive surveillance you have been carrying out. Um, how, how is it integrated in your quality management system currently? Again, that will um, ease the transition for you if you have a postmark surveillance system very well documented, a system working well in your quality management system at the moment. Then you just need to tweak it to make sure that you can meet the, the new requirements that are there. But as I said, not every manufacturer will have been carrying out proactive postmark surveillance. Um, because it's it's like you put it down to the risk of your device. But so, uh, what 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 you are mentioning? So, um, can we say that the requirements for post marketing surveillance are not really changing, but the scrutiny that will be done by the notified body will be higher? Is it that? No, no. There are several changes, but I suppose how a company manages these changes will depend on what level and what kind of assessment they've been um, under before from their notified body or the competent authority and across Europe it's been extremely different to date so um, the main there are uh, some huge changes coming down the line so uh, there is the requirement for a postmark surveillance plan and report um, the postmark surveillance plan is a is a requirement for all devices, uh, and it, there's quite a detailed description on what you should see in this plan. Uh, the postmark surveillance report is for class one devices. The rest of the devices are going to be required to have a periodic safety update report, a PSUR. Now, if you worked in if you work in the medicinal field like I do along with the device field, you will be familiar with a post um, a PSUR, um, which we currently have for medicines, but this is new for the device world. Um, they, the PSUR um, for class 2B and class 3, it needs to be updated annually. So this is huge, huge amount of work to be updated annually. Uh, class 2A every two years. Um, you have the clinical evaluation report, which you already have. You need to have a clinical evaluation plan. So clinical evaluation plan report, postmark surveillance plan report, and the PSUR. Then you have uh, your postmark clinical follow-up plan and your studies, uh, your, your plan and your report from that as well. Uh, and this has to be updated annually also. So Whereas you would have been updating maybe your clinical evaluation every three years. A lot of companies would have been just updating your clinical evaluation every three years. And maybe your risk, um, your risk documentation every year or as necessary. Now you have all these different plans and reports that are all legal requirements. There is detailed descriptions on what a lot of them expect to see. Um, and they all feed into each other. Uh, so, um, and then you have the summary of safety and clinical performance for class three and implantable devices also. This is another new document. Um, and a, these, a lot of these documents a, are going to be required to be submitted through Udemed, which is the electronic system. So 
that's another huge change uh, and huge complexity. Uh, a lot of the postmark surveillance and vigilance activities it will need to be required to be submitted through Udemed. So again, how are you going to work that into your system and your process um, in your company? How is that going to fit into your procedures? Um, how are you going to access this system? How are you going to submit through this system? How are you going to verify that this is the correct way to gather the information, yeah. analyze it, submit it? It's extremely complicated. Plus, all of these plans and reports, they all feed into the technical documentation. Uh, and they are constantly required to be updated and they all feed into each other. So again, how do you ensure that all your procedures are all feeding into each other, the whole system is feeding into each other, the process. So I've been in companies, you know, and get asked lots of questions and, you know, postmark surveillance can be seen as an isolated, uh, you know, area um, or, you know, standalone um, tasks that you need to do in the company. But it's not standalone. This is actually, it feeds into every single documentation, you know, your uh, procedures for corrective and preventative action, you know, should be assessing all of these. Um, it needs to feed the postmark surveillance into this procedure, into your risk procedures, into all your QMS procedures, um, not just a standalone postmark surveillance procedure, which currently a lot of companies would have only that. And, you know, I can't speak for, you know, all the companies all over the world, but you know, feeding it into your system is quite difficult. And I know a lot of companies over just recently in the last few years will be trying to uh, establish a process feeding it in. But now we have the MDR and it's not just, um, it's been, it's a regulation now. So it's yeah. there in black and white for us to implement this and to have, you know, when a notified body or a competent authority comes in to audit you, you have to you need to be able to show all these procedures. Whereas in the past, a complaint procedure, vigilance procedure, and maybe even a lot of people would have talked about their PMS activities in the risk management procedure and maybe nowhere else, yeah. um, not even had a standalone. So the difference is going to be huge. You're going to have a huge amount of procedures that you've never had. But it's not, it's not good enough just to have procedures. They all need to feed into each other. The system needs to work. How you need to analyze this data. How are you going to gather it? You know, it's, it's all completely different. No, it's clear. And uh, what's interesting on what you are saying is the fact that uh, um, I, I hear a lot of people that are asking uh, me also to say, uh, Munir, do you have a post-marketing surveillance procedure? Do you have uh, this kind of thing which... For them, as you mentioned, they think that it's an isolated uh, system when, when you hear what we just said. So it's connected to nearly everything. So it's like, uh, uh, like uh, an octopus that is really connected to uh, all the, your different systems. And if you don't have the correct different system, so uh, building a post-marketing surveillance procedure is not really maybe the right way to start uh, this. You have first to build all your system before to to just plug this one to all what, what you have already. And a point that is also interesting that on what you said is about uh, the, new, um, the new need to, um, to use UDAMED now for all those, uh, all those uh, reports and, and things for uh, class three, I think, uh, products. Uh, yeah. And uh, 
because we talked about that also, I think, with uh, Richard Ulian uh, when we had this podcast episode related to Udamed. And he was also mentioning that, yeah, there is a huge work to do for companies that will be using Udamed, that will feed Udamed also with all those systems uh, and uh, to uh, provide the right information, to validate the information and to make that available to, uh, to, the, to the notified body also. Because I think when they will put that in the Udamed system, it's the notified body that will review that and then accept uh, accept this or make you, you give you comments. So I don't know. Yeah, this is mainly a, a new era or new things that will happen and we'll see if it's, it's working uh, correctly. So we can say that uh, there will be a lot of work uh, for uh, the medical device manufacturers that are still, if I can say, on the previous version or previous mindset uh, related to the post-marketing surveillance. Uh, but I suppose there is also a lot of companies that really don't understand that. So I hope that today they will really understand. But can you help us also to really make that clear for them? What what are the, the difficulty or the, the tricks or regarding the implementation of this post-marketing surveillance or what maybe are some ideas or tips that you can provide to them? Um, yeah, of course, Munir. Um, as I said, I've worked in big, small, medium companies. So um, I've been involved in post-market surveillance, as you call me, the post-market surveillance queen. So I have a huge passion for post-market surveillance and I really want to help everybody else and you know what I find works or what I find doesn't work or what I've tried out. Um, and there's so much complexities into um, having a successful post-market surveillance and vigilance system. Um, one of the main changes I didn't actually discuss above was in relation to vigilance. Um, so um, currently, uh, the maximum time we'd have to report in an incident will be 30 days. Mm -hmm. um, however, with the MDR, this is now changed into 15 days. Uh, so this is huge. Like this is massive. It's cut time in half. Like. You know, if you have a big company and you have a lot of adverse events coming in, you know, to be able to deal with that in a space of 15 days is is very, very hard and very complex. You know, 15 days is a short period of time, yeah. especially if you if you have affiliates all over the world, global teams, your complaint system is global. It's extremely difficult to deal with that. And to get the information that you'd need to even report that in 15 days is very, very tough. Um but it's there in black and white and we now need to find a way to uh, fix your system to be able to um, meet these regulations. Not, um, not, not only fix your system, also uh, make your management understand that because uh, I was participating also to all those vigilance reporting things. So you have kind of an escalation process where you open first an NC maybe, then a Kappa, then you, you move up, up, up to gather all the information needed, as you mentioned, for the vigilance. And you have also uh, the committee with the management to say, yes, we have maybe to make a field action to recall and this and that. So there is a lot of strats, if I can say, in, the, in big companies uh, to arrive to a decision at the end. So it's also a question to have also the people available uh, to take decisions and then to move forward uh, related to that. So it's not only procedure to change, it's also mentality or, or yeah, mindset of people there to really understand that now the time is shortened, so they have to go more quickly and to make, um, make things moving forward quickly. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's very important for um, everybody, but of course for top management to really understand the requirements of post-market surveillance and vigilance. Um, you know, a lot of um, top management would see post-market surveillance as, you know, um, a cost that's adding no value to yeah. your company. You know, where's the money coming out of this? So it's, it's a very uh, tough um department to manage um, when you are responsible for post-market surveillance and vigilance because you have to really uh, show the benefit of it as well which there is also benefit you know it, it can improve your it can improve the quality of the product you know reduce costs uh, for other devices you're developing in the future also you know it can help you with the design of that product and you won't make the same mistakes again it eliminates your risks so there is also you know a pros to the postmark surveillance as not just a, a burden to your company but uh, again it's very hard to uh, get that across sometimes uh, to the to top management and get them on board uh, for postmark surveillance and vigilance and as you said the, the vigilance yeah all aspects of the postmark surveillance but especially the vigilance it's a very very short turnaround and you know they again another huge complexity there with your vigilance and your complaint reporting system is you will try and ensure that your complaint and vigilance procedures are able to suffice for each of the markets that you're in but then you face the huge challenge that each of each country differs the regulations differ then their global reporting requirements differ, their definitions differ, uh, their reporting timelines differ. So if you look, for example, at the moment at a Australia, so there is, is 10 days for an adverse event. Uh, Brazil is three days. Okay. Uh, we have Canada 10 days. We have Japan 15 days and we have the US five days okay. and we have Europe currently at a uh, two ten and thirty, and now we're going to two ten and fifteen. So, you know, how do you ensure that your procedures around complaints and vigilance are able to cope with all of these different definitions, these different reporting timelines, and um, what is required is different. So, postmark surveillance is defined completely different in all our countries across the globe. Adverse event is different. A uh, recall is different. So you have to ensure that you know the terminology uh, you use in your own company. Say, for example, a serious complaint or a non-serious complaint is able to be going to be able to meet each of these requirements in each of your country. Not only that, but you have to ensure that whatever process you put into your company for again going across to all the parties that need to be involved in a complaint or a vigilance assessment that it's able to going to be able to meet these requirements timelines. If you have three days, like, you know, that's extremely short to be able to meet that. And with all the parties you have, plus you'd need sign off from maybe the CEO or the COO as well. You can't just act yourself. So it's it's extremely complex. So I find the vigilance one really, really, really complex. Um, my advice to companies out there will be to look at your own complaint and vigilance 
procedures and systems that you have currently, will they be able to cope with the new MDR requirements? Um, how are you performing at the moment? Are you able to meet each year report and timelines? If you are, then you should be able to um, add on and to be able to meet the new EU MDR requirements. Um, if not, you're going to need to look at it. So do a decision tree for each market and um, see how that works and maybe put them, maybe have like a, a top level SOP and then put the decision trees in the back for each country. So you'll refer out to Appendix 1 for Canada, meet this decision tree. But again, you need to still ensure that your global procedures further important uh, is the same to be able to meet whatever you have to find in your decision tree. So it's quite complex, but I, I think the vigilance, you know, the changes there are extremely complex. Another, um, another big aspect is that, so a lot of manufacturers will try and extend out or are trying to extend out their CE certificate uh, so that they don't have to uh, comply to certain aspects of the MDR until maybe 2021, 2022, whenever their certificate is up. Um, so most manufacturers are obviously trying to do that right now. Uh, so the problem is, is that different aspects of the MDR are going to be uh, required and mandatory at different times. So if you're working on updating your procedures to meet one area, then, and you're not planning to uh, conform to certain parts of the MGR until maybe another year later, how do you manage that in your system? That's extremely tough to do. And then obviously if you have Brexit in the, in the mix, which I currently do as well, you have to factor in the Brexit vigilance complaints, then you have your MGR, then you have your different requirements. So um, the new MIR form, the new manufacturer's incident report form, is mandatory from January 2020. So the MDR is May 2020, but we have the new vigilance form, a, a requirement from January 2020. Also, on top of this, on that form, you have your UDI, your, your, you need to put in your UDI, you need to put in your S or N number, your single registration number. Um, you have to now code your events in accordance with the ID, IDMRF uh, tech, um, sorry, the IDMRF uh, coding that they have issued. So how do you, how do you do this? How do you code these events? Um, this is becoming uh, into force in four months. Like this is no time at all. So you're going to have to overhaul your vigilance and complaint system to be able to meet these requirements, not for May 2020, but for January 2020, because they're becoming mandatory. So this is a huge complexity. How are you going to be able to manage to do each of these? Um, and again, we're waiting on more guidances and templates to be issued uh, at the moment in relation to the MDR. So you have to, we can't wait, you have to be you know, at the moment, doing what you can and changing your system and implementing these requirements because, as I said, for example, the vigilance is mandatory from January 2020, but Udemed won't be in. So it's, and we're supposed to be submitting them through Udemed. So, you know, these are, these are massive 
massive challenges. Yeah, it's, it's, it's clear that uh, when I'm hearing you uh, and when I'm hearing also some guests that I had on the, on the, on the podcast related to different areas of the MDR, uh, there are really a lot of work to do, not a lot of time. And apparently the deadline are, uh, if I can say the implementation cannot be done, even if you are ready, sometimes they cannot be done because uh, you are waiting for the EU commission to, for example, for UDAMED or for some templates or for some guidance, etc. So there are really a mix here about, of, of confusion or for, for manufacturers because some wants to do, but they cannot. Some doesn't want to do, but uh, they will be hitting a wall at one point. So there, there is really some kind of... An, 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 Add, let's add to that that uh, not all the notified bodies are ready now, so it's also something that uh, puts more uh, complexity to the to the equation. But um, can we say that if you haven't started now to put in place your post-marketing surveillance new system, if I can say, or think about it or put in place a strategy, uh, you are already late or there is still a chance for manufacturers to still meet the deadline? No, you're never too late. Um, it's just that it's it's going to be tougher, and you know, um, a lot of companies don't have MDR task forces. So this is extra on top of your everyday work and everything else that's going on. And if you have Brexit to worry about, a uh, that's a uh, in eight weeks' time. So um, and. Uh, from, from my personal opinion, every one of my SOPs from pharmacovigilance and regulatory affairs for medicine devices is impacted by Brexit. All my SDAs, all my reg agreements. So I have Brexit, I have MDR, but I have everything else on top of this as well to deal with. So these are extra on top of everyday work. And that's the same for a lot of people in a lot of companies. So whereas it's never too late, you need to get started now. And as I said, you know, you can't wait for anything more guidance or anything more to be issued. You know, as I explained for vigilance, like we know the MIR reporting form is becoming mandatory in January 2020. Get your complaint and vigilance procedure out. Look at the additional guidance that was issued in the last few weeks from the European Commission um, on the MedDev. Implement that. You know, ensure your system is able to match that. Ensure your system is changed to meet. 15 days rather than 13 days. You know, um, you don't have to make it complex. You know, if you're in a small company and you don't have global departments all over the world, affiliates all over the world, you know, implement it now. You know, see what's going to work. Make sure you are, you know, you have your SOPs, um, you know, anything that's a, a requirement, make sure you have it in there, you know, small things like, you know, not just reporting to the competent authority in the country where the incident happened, you know what I mean? Like, ensure you have things like that, you know, where the manuf legal manufacturer is as well. Um, make sure you have, you know, to notify your notified body, you know, um, because obviously Udemed is not going to be in by January 2020 for a submission of your serious um, incidents and your PSA corrective action. So it's still going to be submitted as it is at the moment. But, you know, just ensure these, there's, there's so many, you know, for in the past for vigilance and post-market surveillance procedures, more so complaint and vigilance procedures, because that's what would be audited over the years. 
and for ISO 135016 as well. So make sure that you have all of your requirements from all of the necessary areas, you know, factored into your procedures and that your system can cope whatever whatever way your system is, if it's um, electronic, if it's a manual, whatever system you have in place. Again, that will depend on the type of company you have. You know, I've worked in both systems, you know, electronic and manual uh, for the vigilance and postmarks surveillance systems. And just ensure that whatever way you have it at the moment, that it's going to be able to cope with the, the new requirements and the reduced time reporting in EU. So one thing that is important also for people to understand, so um, we are talking here about post-marketing surveillance um, and you will be also participating to the Top Pro Symposium uh, in October 1st and 2nd, where you will be giving more or a group of speakers that where you are will give more information about post-marketing surveillance and maybe answer a question of people there. So is it correct? They, yes, I will be speaking at the Topper Symposium. So I am leading and chairing the post-market surveillance session at the Topper Symposium. I have been on the working party the medical device and IVD working party this year, uh, organising the symposium. Um, I really look forward to everybody speaking and all the panel discussions because it's a really rich filled agenda. Um, as I said, my session will be post-market surveillance um, and I will be joined with um, Anne Tobin from the HPRA and uh, Caroline Dore-Gerty from the NSAI where they will be given their perspectives uh, from a competence authority and a notified body perspective. So that's what we really want to all hear at the moment. You know, like we're all reading, okay, the PMS plan should have this, the PMCF plan should have this, the system should be able to do this, but really they are going to be the ones assessing us. So what are they going to be looking for? Okay. You know, uh, I'm really interested in the PSUR myself because I have one for medicines. I want to see, like, you know, what level, like, at high level, you know, states at the moment what they expect to see in a PSUR. But I really am excited to see what the notified bodies and the competence authorities are interpreting that they expect to see and what they will be looking at when they're auditing us or they're assessing our files. No, it's great. Um, so uh, you will be there. I will also be at the Topra Symposium. So uh, you will see me then. And uh, we'll try also to um, make a session again with you and talk about another topic, which will be Brexit. Because as you said, you will be hit by Brexit. And I think a lot of, uh, of the people there will... I mean, I think there is a specific session during the Topra Symposium about Brexit. So I think it will be really interesting. Um, but yeah, we'll still uh, meet together there and have this discussion about Brexit and what people or what manufacturers should do to prepare for, for Brexit. Um, so yeah, and if people want really to also meet me at the event, it's uh, at this uh, Topra Symposium. So uh, I will be there. I will be at uh, the booth number 27, if I remember, uh, from the company Report SS. Uh, and then we can have really a discussion there and uh, discuss about the different events or discuss about um, the 
actuality of the regulation. Uh, and as I've said, so um, Natasha will be also there and we will have this uh, small uh, interview about Brexit and we can really have a good discussion because I think she has also a lot of things to say to say about that. <laughs> okay, Natasha, so something else for the audience? Um, you just in relation to Brexit, yeah, I will be speaking and on the panel about Brexit as well. So uh, I'd be quite happy to share my um, uh, challenges uh, that I am currently facing and have been facing with Brexit. So um, it's a, a tough daily uh, Brexit workload in my life uh, at the moment. So um, on top of everything else. Uh, but that's coming first before the MGR right now. So need to plan and prepare for both. Um, so, yeah, as I, I'd love to see anybody and speak to anybody at the Topper Symposium. Um, happy to help any company that, uh, especially small manufacturers. Um, I know how difficult it is from a small manufacturer's point of view to even understand what the legislation is saying. Um, I, when I worked in the HPRA years ago, um, it's actually the reason why I have such passion for postmark surveillance. Um, an elderly man phoned in um, to ask some questions. Uh, he had just had an audit and he had been manufacturing a device for years before, I suppose, regulations were in place. And he was naming out different parts of the directive saying and what does this mean and what does this mean he couldn't understand any of it and he goes what's this system and processes and actively i don't understand what it means so uh, i said oh give me a call back and you know I'll, I'll go and do some homework and see how i can help you out so um you know he didn't have a procedure in place for um even vigilance and complaints because he said, oh, sure, I don't get anything back. And, you know, um, this was 10 years ago, but um, he, um, you know, we would have had eyes of 14971 come in since then and 1345 2016. So um, I'm sure he's uh, struggled since then. But I really uh, got a passion then to try and help, especially small manufacturers or even, uh, you know, I get questions from Mctronic and Stryker and, you know, anyone, just sm like one small little tip can mean the difference to you. So anything I can help with, I, you know, I love to help people or it's good to, you know, discuss different things. Do you think this will work or, you know, I've implemented things, you know, previous companies to try and see if it would work or maybe this would be a good idea for proactive uh, postmark surveillance. But, you know, the one really important thing that I would point out that, it's great to implement these things, but you have to be able to make it work and has to be part of your quality management system. That's quite difficult because you can have all the ideas in the world to implement great things for post-market surveillance, but they need to be able to be part of the system. You know, it's integrated, it's part of, it's integrated into your quality management system. So you have to be able to analyze that feedback you get. You know, you need to be able to trend it. You know, you need to have, you know, you know, stats in place to be able to ensure that you're able to analyze that data correct, correctly. And that's also adding to complications. 
Yeah, so it's clear. So and I think uh, we are sharing the same uh, passion for helping people. It's what I'm trying to do also with my blog, with my podcast and with my YouTube channel. So I, I hope that all the questions that we are trying to answer here uh, will be helping a lot of manufacturers and small manufacturers also, because we know that uh, it's, uh, it's a difficult time, difficult situation for, for them with a, a lower budget. Uh, so it's really important then also to, uh, to help and to really make things simple it's why i call my website easy medical device to make it really easy for everybody so yeah it's, it's great to share that together okay natasha so it was really a great time with you so thank you for all your help thank you for all the information you were sharing with us i think it was it's really valuable for everybody to really understand what is a post-marketing surveillance uh, so natasha i really thank you and i wish you a nice day thank you manir it's great to be part of your podcast and i wish you a good day 